everybody. My name is Amy. And I'm Whitney. Welcome to Christ Community Church. Everybody who walks through our doors or joins us online has an opportunity to find community here at CCC. Yeah, so if you're new here, we'd love for you to stop by the welcome desk and fill out a connection card, or you can simply scan the QR code at the seat back in front of you. And from there, we'll send you a gift from us to you. And if you're online, you can just click the new here button and then from there, we'll get in touch with you. We're so excited to get to know you and plug you into the life of our church. Hey, Kid City friends, guess what is less than a month away? That's right, Vacation Bible School. We are so excited to move with God and find out how God moves in us. So the dates are July 18th through the 22nd. Now, Sunday night, July 18th, we're gonna be joining together as families in the auditorium. It's gonna be so much fun. We're gonna hear a Bible story and then we're gonna head outside for my favorite part, water slides, cotton candy, snow cones. And it's a really fun way, a really easy way for you guys to invite friends and neighbors to join in at Vacation Bible School. Monday through Wednesday, you guys get to do at home, whatever it's convenient for you. And then Thursday, we join back together here at CCC and there might be some hot dogs and potato chips for dinner that night for you guys. So you can sign up on the kids page on our website. Well, we hope you are super excited for VBS and we also hope your kids are getting really excited for Awana this fall. Super exciting registration opens next Thursday, July 1st. Awana is an awesome night designed just for your kids. It's a discipleship program that really helps kids grow in their knowledge and understanding of the Bible. So be sure to keep an eye out on the kids page on our website for the registration link. Hey, and last but not least, the cafe is open and we are so excited. It's open Monday through Friday from 7.30 to 11.30 in the morning. And on the weekends, it's gonna be reopening at the weekend of July 3rd and 4th. Yeah, we're so excited. It's a full service coffee shop. We also have bottled beverages and breakfast snacks and more. So make sure to stop on by, grab a snack or drink. And also it has open seating. So it's the perfect spot for your morning meeting. Thanks so much for joining us this weekend, and we hope that you have an amazing week. Hey, church, let's stand to our feet as we celebrate the victory that we have in the name of Jesus today.
Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. And all I see are the ashes. You see the beauty. And all I see is a cross. God, you see an empty tomb. All right, charge. Let's lift our voices to Him today. Hallelujah. Praise the 
just sang about that offers such great love, such great hope, and an ultimate sacrifice. And God, when we praise you and we say the word forever, we actually don't really know what that means, but we know it's a gift that we can't give to ourselves. And all we have to do is accept the fact that you sent your son Jesus Christ on that cross to die for us. And we get eternal life with you. And you love us far above any other. Your plan and your purpose for us reigns above all others. And that is the king that we praise tonight. We love you so much. And all God's people said together, amen. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. You can go ahead and take a seat. Christ community, how you doing? Everybody good? Good to, good to see you guys. I'm so glad to be with you. Um, this is the service, if you don't know, this is the service that we record for our um, online church. So if you guys would greet the online community as well, let them know we're glad they're with us. If I have not met you yet, my name is Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, really glad that you're with us in person, online. Thanks for being with us. Um, I have an ask of you, if we haven't met yet, like if Christ Community Church doesn't know you're here, we'd love to know that. So if you wouldn't mind, if you're in person, there's a little QR code on a seat back close to you. You can just shoot that with your phone and um, it's quick, easy fill out. Or you can stop by the welcome desk on the way out and there's actually a gift for you that includes Godiva chocolate. So I, I, we're, we are bribing you for, um, for your information. We, the best thing about this church though is it's the people, and so we want you to have a fair shot at getting to know who we are. Those of you who are online, if you could check in with the online host, there's also a, a connect button where you can fill out the connect card. Again, we'd love to get to know you and answer any questions you might have for our church. So um, I'm excited you're here this weekend. We're in this series that we've called Characters, and what we're doing is we're, we're working our way through some of the Old Testament characters in the Bible. Um, learning a little bit about them, learning a lot about God, about how he deals with us, how he, how he loves us, how he calls us forward in our lives. We're learning about ourselves in all of this, and I'm really excited for what we're gonna talk about today through the life of a guy named Gideon. So I wanna jump into this. I wanna show you this, uh, this picture of this painting. So um, this is called Clairvoyance, and it is painted by a guy named Rene Magritte, and he was a Belgian surrealist. And I actually have a print of this framed very nicely. Used to be in my office, but everybody's first comment about it was, that is really creepy. <laughs> They're right. It is a little creepy. It's a self-portrait. I think it's a brilliant painting. It's a self-portrait. I don't know if you've noticed yet, just looking at that, you see what he's looking at, and do you see what he's painting? Isn't that cool? Like he's, he's looking at that egg and he's painting that bird. So just, just hold this image in your mind for what we're gonna talk about today. Because I'd, I'd suggest to you that if we really, if we broke it down, start just, if I could interview you about how you, how you see yourself, how you feel about yourself, well, you think about where you are in your life, particularly in your relationship with God and the kinds of things that he has called you to. 
I'm betting if we could have that conversation, you'd probably describe yourself spiritually more like an egg. But what I want you to know from our time together today, from the life of this guy named Gideon, we're gonna talk about him for today, this weekend, and for two more weekends. What I want you to know is when, when God looks at you, what he sees in you is, is way more like the bird. So I, I think this is, this is an incredibly meaningful portrait here, as, as creepy as it is. So Gideon's life is recorded for us, it starts in Judges chapter six. So if you have a Bible here, um, you can open it up. I, some of these verses I'm not gonna put on the screen for you because there's just too many of them this weekend, but um, some of them I will, the importance when you'll get to see, but if you wanna pull out your phone or pull out your Bible, Judges chapter six, let me just kinda connect some dots. From last week, we talked about a guy named Joshua and his, his passionate statement you know, it's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he was casting vision for his family and for the nation of Israel. So the nation of Israel followed the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime, the lifetime of the leaders who knew Joshua. And then when that group of leadership left the scene, then this new group of leadership rose up and they didn't know the Lord and the nation, just, it just went astray. That whole idea of we will serve the Lord was gone and they, they connected with the nations, the pagan nations around them and began to follow in the ways of those pagan nations. So I'm picking up the story in Judges chapter six and this is just, it's, it's a summary statement. What happens in Judges, there's like seven cycles of disobedience to the nation and it's just like they're just swirling down a drain. It just gets lower and lower each time they go. I think we're in the fourth cycle right now with Gideon. So the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and for seven years the Lord gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Midianites were one of those pagan groups that were around them. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. That sound awful? It's, it's so bad with the people around them that they're going to hide in the hills. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Finally, they have, they have been following these pagan ways and they've been doing things on their own, following their own strategy. And finally, things got so bad and so oppressive for them that almost like in this, it, it's the last hope. It's the Hail Mary. It, the, this Hail Mary, they cry out to the Lord for help. And when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave, your land, gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. So they've, so they've cried out to the Lord for help and the Lord hears them and he responds to them 
and he sends a prophet to come and make sure they understand why it is they're in the kind of situation they're in. They're there because, because they've walked away from the Lord. They've walked, away from, they've walked away from everything he said to them. They've walked away from, like they walked away from the Lord and not, not only walked away from him, they walked into the arms of these other nations who worship pagan gods. And so, so they've become just like the nations around them. So that's the backdrop. That's, that's, where, that's what Gideon has lived in. That's what he's grown up in. And so just kind of reading those verse 10, first 10 verses, here's verse 11. This is when we get to meet Gideon. He's, he has lived in this fear-based culture for the last seven years. They've been getting beaten up and having their lunch taken from them by the neighborhood bullies. Like he's, he's been living in this. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. All right, so let me tell you what's going on here. So, so Gideon has somehow, he and his family, because you, know, you, you heard me read it to you, when, when it was time to plant, the Midianites and these other people, they came running. And they, they made sure that they kept the nation under their thumb by making sure that nothing got planted, nothing had a chance to grow. But Gideon and his family have figured out, they figured out some way to get something to grow. And so he's now, he's now got some wheat that he is threshing to make it into flour, which will then become bread for them to eat, even in this the Midianites are starving them out and somehow they've got a little bit of grain that they're gonna turn into flour that'll get turned into bread. So usually when, when you thresh grain, the ancient culture, when they would thresh grain, it was on, they would be like on a, a raised piece of ground that was close to the fields where they harvested it and it was this time of celebration and people were around because they had this harvest and and they would, they would wanna be out in the open so that the breeze could blow so that you know, they could kind of throw the grain up into the air so that the, the chaff would get driven away by the wind. And Gideon is in a wine press to thresh his grain. So a wine press, you, wine presses, you know, you've seen people where they're barefoot stomping on grapes to make wine. That's what that is, it's a wine press. Wine presses are usually, they're down in the ground, they have a wall built around them, and, and what Gideon is doing, Gideon is doing something that's usually done out in the open where the wind can blow. He's doing this down in the wine press. He's hiding. He's hiding his, he's hiding his grain. He's hiding what he's doing. He doesn't want anybody around him to know what he's got and what they have for the family. And, and it's this scenario while this young guy is hiding in a wine press, threshing grain, the angel of the Lord shows up and says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So do you find, do you find a mighty warrior threshing grain in a wine press? Like I'm, I'm not, I don't think Gideon is living out what the angel of the Lord says about him. This moment, he's, he, is, he is fearful and he's hiding, he's hiding in this wine press trying to keep the Midianites from coming and taking his stuff. So, so I think I've taught this before in years past. 
long time ago, first time I read through this section of scriptures, um, I, I thought the angel of the Lord was being sarcastic with Gideon. Just kind of poking him a little bit of like, dude, you're, you know, you're one of the people of the Lord, you're hiding down in this place, mighty warrior. You know, and, and, and as I process that, over time, I, I have completely reversed my position on that. And the reason for that is that's not how God speaks to people. That's how we speak to each other. Like, I don't know what your tone of voice would be if you saw Gideon, I know what mine would be. Because um, sarcasm is one of my love languages. And so, <laughs> but the Lord doesn't speak to his people that way. He's, he's kind and he's good and he's, he's gracious to us. And in this moment where where the angel of the Lord shows up to this, to this guy who's, who's hiding from fear and calls him mighty warrior. But this is, if, if you remember this, remember the picture of the, of the guy staring at the egg and painting the bird and, and know this about what we're talking about today. The Lord sees more that's in you than you see in yourself. The Lord sees things in you that you don't see in yourself. And the reason for that is because what's in you, he put in there. This isn't about like you have something in you that, that neither you, like that you don't know about, but it's, it's deep within you and you've just gotta tap into it like you have some sort of special resource within yourself. That, that isn't true. That's humanism and that's like it's all on me. This is the Lord your God has put something in you and he knows what's in you. He sees what's in you and in moments like this, he will, he will show up and he will cast vision for your life. He'll, he'll tell you what he sees in you so that you have an idea of where he wants you to go, of what your life could actually be like. It, I, I can't imagine for Gideon, and well I know because we read the story over the next couple of weeks, but how his life changes from hiding in a wine press, threshing the grain, to being a mighty warrior. Because the Lord his God showed up and spoke that over him and to him and called him to it. And so I, I want you to know, I want you to remember this today, that the Lord sees things in you that you don't see in yourself because he has put them there. All right, so let me, let me just flesh out for you a little bit. I've talked about this some about Gideon. There are a couple things about him that just, I think they need to be said. The first one, Gideon, at this point, I mean, Gideon's, he's an idol worshiper. The people of his tribe, of his community, of his, the nation that he was a part of, that, that nation had gone astray for seven years. For seven years, they had been under the strong hand of the Midianites because they were idol worshipers. Gideon didn't have a pass on that. His dad didn't have a pass on that. I mean, the guy's hiding in a wine press. He's, he's right along. He's gone along with the culture. He's, he's gone along with the culture. He's just, he's just like the rest of them, and that's where he is, is he's an idol worshiper, and the other thing about him, they just, you know, I've beat this drum already. He is fearful. He's afraid. He is living in fear. He's, he's not living under the promises that God has made. He's not living under protection that God promises to the people who walk in obedience. I mean, he's this, he's this disobedient, idol-worshiping, fearful guy hiding in the wine press, and when God comes to him and calls him 
mighty warrior, the first thing that Gideon says is, pardon me, my Lord. Like, what? If the Lord's with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian? Wait, what? If the Lord is mighty warrior, the Lord is with me, mighty warrior, if the Lord's with me, why are things like this? They're like this because you guys are, because they were living in disobedience and Gideon was right alongside of them. And so knowing that about Gideon, there's also something we gotta learn about God in all of this. First thing about God is that he will, he will call you to more. He's gonna, he's gonna call you to more. He's not gonna leave you in the pain of being disobedient. I think that's incredibly gracious of him. That he, he does not leave his people in the pain of disobedience. Disobedience results in pain. Because he's a good father and, and walking the path of disobedience means you walk away from him and all that is good and so you're walking in pain just because and on top of that, because you're his child, he loves, he disciplines those he loves and so as his child, he's going to, he's going to let you experience some things to bring you back and he's gonna call you to more in all of this and this more is something way better than what you're experiencing right now. So he's gonna call you to more. He's gonna be patient with you in your hesitancy. That's really good news too, that he, that he lets you be a little bit hesitant. He lets you have some questions. He lets you work to figure some things out. He lets you engage with him. I, pardon me, Lord. Um, this, what you just said about me doesn't feel, that doesn't feel right about me. Are you sure? about this, so he's patient with us in our hesitancy, he says that twice, pardon me Lord, he says that two times. Two different times he asked God to give him a sign. Okay Lord, I mean, if the angel of the Lord appears to him and speaks directly to him, and from that he says, hey, can you give me a sign? And if you grew up in Sunday school, the, the fleece, where one day he says, hey, could the fleece be dry and the ground be wet, and the Lord does that for him, and then the next day he says, hey, could the fleece be wet, in the ground, did I say that the same? Whatever, you get, like he reverses it. And the Lord puts up with that, not only puts up with that, but meets him in that hesitancy and is patient with him in his hesitancy. And then the other thing about God that I think is just outstanding, this is good news, he's, he's walking with you the whole way. Mighty warrior, I will be with you, is what the Lord says to him, and we'll see that kind of flesh out a little bit more. God's presence is the answer here in verse 16, if you look down a little bit farther, because Gideon in his little like, hey, pardon me, Lord, if you're with us, what's happened? All this, at verse 15, he says, pardon me, my Lord, how can I save Israel? How could I do this? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. So like of, of our tribe, my clan is the weakest and I am the least in my family. You, have a lot, you, have, you are at the bottom of the barrel, Lord. And the Lord answered, verse 16, I will be with you. And that, that's his answer to this whole thing, I will be with you. And again, this is really good news 
Because what Gideon was saying basically there is, you know, like my clan's the weakest in our tribe and I'm the smallest in our clan. What, what he's articulating there is I don't have what it takes. Mighty warrior, you're gonna deliver your people from the oppressive Midianites. I don't have what it takes. And what the Lord does here with that reply, I will be with you, he basically, he meets Gideon in his inadequacy, but he, he affirms it. He affirms it, you're right, Gideon, you don't have what it takes. By yourself, on your own, you don't have what it takes to do the thing that I've called you to do, guess what? I'll be with you. I have what it takes, so I am not sending you to some place that neither of us have been. I'm calling you to come be with me, to follow me into this thing that I have for you to do. I'm gonna be with you. My presence with you is the answer to this whole thing. So what God has done is he has shown up into the life of this dude who is an idol worshiping, fearful, under the hands of oppressed, disobedient dude, and he said to him, hey, you're a mighty warrior. Here's some stuff about me that is true, so you are a mighty warrior. And so I'm processing through this stuff, thinking, man, a, a really good prayer for people like you and me would, would be something like this. Heavenly Father, what do you see in me? What do you say about me? You ever asked the Lord something like that? And whether you feel totally unprepared and incompetent for the kinds of things that, that maybe you might have some spiritual calling towards, or you, you look at the stuff and you say, hey, I got this. It's anywhere in between those two things, to ask the Lord, hey, Heavenly Father, because he is your Father. He's, he's a good Heavenly Father, and, and he speaks into and speaks over his children. What, what do you say about me? What do you see in me? What would you say about me? Because what he'll do for you, if, if that is your prayer and you wanna know what the Lord, what your Heavenly Father has to say to you and about you. And listen, this is a really big deal. Because a lot of us have a father wound and, you, and you, your dad didn't say the right things to you or over you. Or maybe he said the wrong things to you or over you or he said nothing to you or over you. And, and that hurts. And it's gotten in the way. And it, in, his, in, in your father, your earthly father's either negative or absent statements the voice of your heavenly father can correct all that. He can fill it. He can fill that void and he can put you, like he could, thinks he could say to you and about you and over you make all the difference for you. Father, heavenly father, father me in this. What, what do you say about me? What would you say to me? What's really cool about that is he's, he's, he's gonna say something to you along the lines of mighty warrior, mighty warrior. You're gonna feel like an egg. You're gonna feel like an egg and he's gonna cast vision for you and for your life. Like I see in you a bird in flight. 
So, so let's think together how we could get from where we are to what the Lord is calling us to be. So this is, I just, lo- I just love this little process that, that Gideon was on, that the Lord took him on from threshing grain in a wine press, idolatry, fearful, to mighty warrior. And there's, there's four things here. So the first part of this, because I think we've all, if you're a believer in Jesus, we've all got something inside of us that says, hey, I got a next step. I got a next step, there's something more for me. Because the Lord's not gonna leave you in disobedience and he's not gonna leave you in your comfort zone. He's gonna bug you about your comfort zone. He's, he's not gonna leave you alone and just let you sit in that, nothing good happens in your comfort zone. He's not gonna let you sit there. So how can I, how could I move, what's my process to move from where I am to where God's calling me to be? So there's four things here. The first thing is have those hesitancy and fear conversations with the Lord. He can, he can take it and he's gracious about it. That he, would, that he would let people like you and me, when we've been called, like he's calling us to come and be with him and go with him where he wants to take us and we're afraid of that and, and he says, hey, like, it's okay for you, it's okay for me to have these conversations with him Pardon me, my Lord. My, <laughs> we're this kind of piddly little nation and my tribe is the smallest of that deal and my clan is, the, and I'm the least of my clan. Are you talking to the right person? You, you could ask him that question as he begins to speak into and over your life the direction that he wants to take you. Am, am I the right person? Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? And if you're, Am I hearing you right? Would you, would you confirm this for me? He does that kind of stuff because, because he's gracious towards us. There's a psalm, statement of Psalms that says he realizes that we are just dust. We're people. He made us. He knows how we are and he accommodates himself to our weaknesses and he, he loves us. And so you could have those hesitancy and fear conversations with him. And then as you're having those conversations, you exercise the faith that you have. Because this is true throughout the scriptures. It's true throughout Christian people's lives. When, when God's, like when he puts that dream, that passion, that vision, that desire in your heart and, and awakens you to that, you're looking at it going, I don't have what it takes, but you do have, you have faith in you, so you exercise the faith that you have. You, faith is a gift from God. You don't, you don't have to go looking for it, you don't have to go find it, you don't have to muster it up somehow, you, just have, you have to exercise the faith that you have. This is, this is one of my favorite things in this first chapter of Gideon's life in chapter six, down in verse 25, so the Lord has this conversation and he walks Gideon through his hesitancy and he gives him, really gives him the first assignment towards this mighty warrior thing. And so that same night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, 
Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. So this is idolat. This is the worship. These are idols that they were worshiping. These were his dads. This is the family he grew up in. Idol worshiping Gideon. Take the second bull and tear down the altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it and then build proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So, so he's told him like, probably at least for the family and maybe for the village, dad owns the spot where everybody comes to engage in their pagan worship. He just told Gideon to tear down their pagan temple. So, so Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. So he, so he didn't have enough faith to, to grab the second bull from dad's herd and go tear down the altar and the pole in broad daylight where everybody could see what was up. But he had enough faith to do it at night. So he did it at night. Verse 28, in the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asher pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. He did it. He did it. He did it at night, but he did it. But how far has he come? From hiding in the wine press, threshing grain, to now, it was night, but now he's, he's walking in obedience to the Lord, exercising the faith that he has. And, and then, so for you and for me, exercise the faith you've got. Don't, you don't have to exercise faith you don't have. If, you're, if you don't have the faith to do it, don't go out there and try to do it. The Lord's, the Lord's doing it. So as far as you can go with him, go with him and let the Spirit of God lead you. That's the third part of all this. You gotta let the Spirit of God lead you. So we live as people under the blood of Jesus, post-cross, resurrection, so you and I, as Christian people, as believers in Jesus, God the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, which is just this, it is, it is a fantastic privilege that you and I have that God the Holy Spirit would live inside of us. So Gideon did not have that experience. He lived before the cross, and he lived under the sacrificial system where that bull was actually probably being sacrificed as a sin offering for himself and for the people who were around him that he was gonna lead towards obedience. But down in verse 34 is Gideon, he's learning and he's growing and he's becoming and it's all happening really fast because he's having these, these hesitancy conversations with the Lord and he's exercising the faith that he has. So he's on this upward trajectory and the Lord, verse 34, it says that the, that the spirit of God, the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blows a trumpet and he, he summons his people to begin to express this mighty warrior thing that God has put in him. But what's happening in here is that the Lord has seen more in Gideon, put more in Gideon than Gideon knew about, and he's starting to get to express this because the Spirit of God is leading him into what those next steps of obedience are like. And you and I have that, you and I have that opportunity. I read through some of these character studies that we're doing, and part of me is like, when we get to eternity, I got this question. You know, I got a question, I got a question for Rebecca. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago, and if you didn't hear that, it's a fascinating life. It's a fascinating moment. Like, what was in, why did you go with them? If you remember, like, I'll go. If you remember that story about her, I'll go. Why did, what were you thinking? 
in that moment? Why, why would you go? And, and for Joshua, man, what was it like? Some of that hard stuff that you had to do, knowing the Lord put you in a position where you had to do that kind of hard stuff, what was that like for you? To Gideon, man, Gideon, what was you know, that fleece thing? What were you thinking? You know, the angel of the Lord was standing right in front of you. Why do you need, I'd like to ask him, you know what, you know what he's gonna ask me? You know, Rebecca's gonna ask you, if you wanted to go talk to her, you know what the question they're gonna have for you? What's that like to live with God the Holy Spirit inside of you? I think that's the question that they're gonna have. What was that like to live with, with the person and presence of God inside of you? You didn't, you, didn't have to, you didn't have to have the angel of the Lord show up and say something to you. You didn't have to, like you, you didn't have to look for signs. You didn't have, what, was, what was it like to have the Spirit of God living inside of you who, who comforted you and who guides you and, and speaks to your heart and convinces you like that you're God's child and you should walk in his way? What was that like to have the Spirit of God living inside? You don't have this incredible privilege of, of God the Holy Spirit living inside of us and if we will have eyes, spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear and a soft heart toward him to understand, he will walk us. He will walk us in the way that he has for us to go. And so like, it's, it is perfectly fine to have these, to walk through the, your hesitancies and your fears and, and let him well faith up within you and, and follow his voice in all of that. And I just put that fourth thing is repeat. Keep doing that. It's not a one-time thing. And again, we'll, we'll see this next week in particularly in Gideon's life. This is his process. God says, hey, there's more. I've got more for you than where you are right now. <laughs> I put more in you than what you're experiencing in this moment. I, you're, don't, don't be comfortable where you are. Don't be afraid of what's next. Come on, we're gonna go this way. God does that to him and Gideon is like, uh, are you sure you got the right guy? And the Lord says, yep, I got the right guy. Come on, let's go. And, the, and off they go. And, he, and the Spirit of God enables him to do what, he, what he's called him to do. And, and so for you and I to hang on to this idea, the Lord has more in us than what we, and he's put more in us than what we know. And he has more for you than what you're, what you're thinking right now. And he's, he's not pushing you into that. He's not, he's, he's there and he's, he's with you calling you to come be with him. So you should go with him, <laughs> you should, you should go with him. So I wanna wrap all this up. I wanna share this um, video story with you. Jamie Rudin, she's a Christ community kid, grew up here, um, big time basketball player in our community and you'll see some of that in the, but spiritually, as you listen to her story spiritually, what she had going on, what it looked like going on in life was spiritually wasn't there for her. And, and God did for her the kind of thing that, that he's doing for us. And she's saying yes to him. She's walking with him and she's experiencing this. So I want you to see her story. She's a ministry partner now of our church family and part of this church and uh, we're really proud of her and really excited that we get to be part of it, but, I, but her story inspires and encourages me, so I wanted to share it with you guys today. Hi, I'm Jamie Rudin. I'm from Rochester, Minnesota. 
um, and I am currently working through Athletes in Action uh, Sports Ministry, and I'm assigned to campus ministry at Arizona State University. Yeah, I, I grew up here um, in Rochester, um, family, John and Val, little sister Jessie. Um, we started coming to church at Christ Community actually when I was in first grade. Um, I played basketball all through elementary school, middle school, and then I started getting recruited in high school. Um, I ultimately decided to go to Arizona State, and I, I love the family feel of the program. Um, I played for four years there, um, and yeah, I had, I had great teammates, great experiences, and I majored in psychology at Arizona State, and, and now I'm going into ministry work with Athletes in Action. I first really heard the gospel um, through Christ Community growing up, and um, I, I made the decision to surrender my life to Christ when I was young, which, um, praise God, that I had such a firm foundation here at Christ Community. Um, and then going into high school, with all the attention I was getting from recruiting and just that taste of success constantly, I, I really made success in basketball an idol in my life. Going into college, I knew how to act Christian. You know, I knew how to get plugged into a church, um, but my heart was really battling and wrestling. You know, I broke my foot my freshman year, so I missed like the whole season of basketball. Um, and then going in my sophomore year, I had the really severe disc herniation injury. Basketball was the center of my life, so when I had these injuries that took me out of the game, I was wrestling with this question of, man, if I can't play basketball, then who am I? And, and what's my purpose in life? Um, and in that, I was looking to cope with everything except for Jesus. Really the turning point happened after our last game my sophomore year, we were flying back from the NCAA tournament, and in a moment on that plane, I was just gripped with the reality of my sin, and I knew deeply that if I continued in this direction, apart from Christ, it, I would just destroy myself. In that, I went and talked with my mentor on the plane, and, and she just pointed me to Romans 5.8, um, and that verse says, but God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, so I prayed a really simple prayer, um, just saying essentially, God, I don't even want my life. Like you can have me, you can have everything. Um, whatever you do, whatever you're calling me to do, I'll go. That next day, it was like the lights just turned back on and a lot of my you know, my shame was gone, my dark thoughts were gone, and I just had so much joy in the Lord. And immediately, like two days after this, my, my teammate invites me to go with her to Athletes in Action and FCA. Um, we're partnered at ASU, so they have like a weekly huddle with all the athletes. And she invited me to go to church with her too. So I went from being completely alone to just surrounded by community of just God's people. Um, and God in the next, you know, two years after that was so faithful to just grow me and to grow this desire in my heart um, to share what he's done in my life and to share the gospel message um, with, you know, anyone as he calls me to. Um, and specifically, I'm, I'm just really excited to work with Athletes in Action 
because um, God's put such a burden on my heart for athletes. Um, I've tasted the, the brokenness of athletics. Um, I've seen um, a lot of athletes and myself just putting all of our identity in our sport. Um, I've seen a lot of injuries and anxiety and depression, eating disorders. I, I've, seen, I've seen a lot within athletics and at the same time I've also seen how God has, has brought beauty in the world of athletics. Um, the teamwork, the, the joy of performing for Him, for His glory, and, and just the freedom that comes when you put your identity fully in Christ. And so I'm really excited to you know, be back at, at Arizona State this year. And um, I have a great team of other missionaries I'm working with. And so I know, I know God is gonna continue to do good things. And I'm just excited to be a small part of that. Those kind of stories start with a yes. You start with a yes. I don't know what this looks like. I don't know how. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know. Like, <laughs> are you sure, Lord? But but they start with they start with a yes. Because because God has He's put more in you and He has more for you than like what you can see for yourself. He just He sees more for you than what you see for you. And he's a good father, so what he has for you is, is good, and it all starts with a yes. And so maybe for some of us, that's that, it's the first yes to Jesus, to the forgiveness that he offers us through his death on the cross, to the life that he wants to give us because of his resurrection from the dead. Maybe you haven't experienced that at all, and that's, a, that's, that's the first step, to say, to say yes to him and to that forgiveness and that life that he wants to give to you. I'm part of our... Our, one of our visions, our vision statement here at the church is we wanna be a church of generous people who honor Jesus, that love each other, that serve our neighbors. And that we want, those are the kind of people we wanna be and God has next steps for all of us in, in each one of those things. And, and all of that comes to us through yes. So my encouragement to you this weekend is, is you see yourself as an egg. <laughs> the Lord sees you as like this bird that's in flight and he's, he's gonna make you into that. He's calling you to that and you should go with him. It's, it's a yes from you. So I'd like to give us a chance just to say yes. If you'd bow your head and close your eyes with me as we finish our time together, I'm just gonna give you this moment to, to ask the Lord, you know, what, do you, what do you see in me? What would you say to me? What will you say over me? Remind God he's your father. Remind yourself of that. Heavenly Father, What do you say? What do you see? And my answer to you is yes. I'm saying yes. So Father, thank you for this great love that you have for us. We heard Jamie quote that verse in the video. You demonstrated your love for us in that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. 
you're, you're calling us out of, of the pain that we experience out of just the nothingness of our comfort zone and to this beautiful life that you wanna give us. You're doing work and we, we want that work in our lives, in our church, in our community. We'll be part of what you're doing in all these places around the world. And Jesus, all this comes to us through you, so we say yes in your name, amen. All right, so I'm gonna ask you guys to stand, and I'm going to um, dismiss you with this beautiful promise that comes to you from the Lord your God. It's found in Philippians chapter one, verse six. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's not finished with you yet. He's got good things, good days ahead for you. Go walk in that. God bless you guys. I love you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.